It's Reefer Madness, the podcast with Trevor and Kirk. Kirk, we're back. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, news from around here. What have I... I've been trying to solder things. Solder things. I, I, am, a, I am all things Apple. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were doing things. Apple, I'm, I'm trying to solder some electronics together. I am not good at that, but um, I didn't actually burn my fingers this time, so we'll call that a win. You, you've got a bunch of apples off the apple tree, and what are you doing? Well, with them? I've been harvesting apples for the last three weeks and crushing them and squeezing them and making juice. I've got about 70 liters of apple juice fermenting and with various recipes to attach to. My passion, true passion, is fermenting things. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm in my backyard just pounding apples and, uh, and listening to uh, podcasts and talking books. Excellent. And actually, that, that segues nicely into our, our current guest. Um, so uh, Dr. Cody Peterson, and we'll let him introduce himself in a second. But, you know, when when you chat sort of before and after the interview, um, you know, he said, oh, yeah. So what podcast were you guys again? Uh, Referred Madness. Hmm. Oh, is that the one with that nurse guy who worked up north? You know, he's quite a character. Yeah, I remember you. So, Kirk. The important part is with all your apples and fermentation and various stories about where you are and what you're doing, you, you make an impact on, on the listening I've public. Been, Dr. Peterson had heard of us because of well, you. Well, being called a character is, is, I've been called worse, but character's good. I'll accept that. Well, I'll accept that. I'm definitely a character. Excellent. This, this episode, Trevor, this is one of your, for our, for our listeners, this is one of your geek ones, right? This is, this is definitely, yep. I mean, the guy calls himself a cannabis science expert. Uh, what he's got a he's got a PhD in pharmacology, a master's in in cannabis science. Well, it's called a PharmD, just to keep things good and weird in pharmacy world. Uh, a PharmD or doctor of pharmacy, well, that's even changing. But it's a, a PharmD is kind of a clinical thing. Well, I'll bore people with the the backstory. When I went to school you know, many many years ago, you get a bachelor of pharmacy and then you go work. And then if you wanted to sort of specialize, like let's say you wanted to be the kidney pharmacist on a kidney dialysis unit, or you want to be the cancer pharmacist on a chemo unit, you might go back and do more training and get a PharmD, a doctor in pharmacy in that sort of area. That was sort of the, the, the specialty thing. And that was separate from people who went and off and got a PhD and they were doing more research stuff. Now in pharmacy world is changing and in the US, I think almost everywhere and slowly coming in Canada, you go into pharmacy school into what's they call a, a entry level PharmD. So you're, you don't come out with a bachelor of pharmacy, hang out there for a year or two more and you come out with this PharmD. Which I'm not saying it's bad, school isn't bad, but it, it seems to sort of cheapen what used to be sort of a, a designation of almost a specialist which Dr. Peterson is, you know, he does pediatrics in hospital, but, uh, you know, does every farm, not, not degrade, degrade Walmart, but does every pharmacist who works at Walmart need a farm D anyway, is, that's, it, uh, is that an example of education creep where absolute, absolutely yeah. an example of education creep, but you know, that that's not what this one's about. <laughs> this is not about, about Paul, went, yeah. Okay. So this, this, <laughs> I think 
I think if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make this fair for listeners, go back to episode eighty uh, when we were talking to the uh, Australian researcher Lindsay Anderson, cannabis. Doctor Lindsay Anderson, yeah, yeah, our cannabis drug interactions. I think this would be part two of that interview, right? In a sense, yeah, no, that's cause, fair because because she's she's the researcher, and this gentleman is more of a practitioner, like a more yeah, of a, more of a, of a clinician. Yeah, applying what people like Dr. Anderson learn in in the lab, applying it to people. Yes, okay. I, I think that's fair. So what are some of the highlights you want people to listen for? Well, um, even though you don't think you're taking drugs all the time, you are. So, you know, what his quote was 90 percent. We'll go with that of us, you know, consume caffeine. So that is a drug you are taking right now. So. Chances are, if you, you're taking cannabis, you might be taking it with caffeine. We're not saying that's bad, but just remember, another drug that a large percentage of us use regularly is alcohol. Uh, so uh, yet another drug that you could be taking with your cannabis. Again, not saying it's bad. And then another one I like because I seem to see them all the time are uh, like ADHD drugs. So some people are treating their ADHD for better or worse, with cannabis. Now, what happens if we add on an amphetamine-type drug? So, you know, th these were these these were of interest to me, anyway. Yeah. Well, well, let's get into it. Let's get let's listen to a minute, and we uh, we can discuss what we heard. All right. Uh, Dr. Peterson, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do academically and clinically, and then eventually we're going to get to interactions with cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you're talking to the right person. I am a pediatric pharmacist, right? And uh, I've been been doing that for about a decade. And, and more recently, I've jumped in and really leaned into becoming a cannabis science expert. In fact, I've even gotten my master's degree in the topic from the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. Uh, so I, I now have my PharmD and my master's in medical cannabis science. Uh, and in my primary role, what, what I'm really excited about right now is the work that I'm doing with the Kenigma, which is a science forward media company out of Israel, who's trying to help cut through the smoke uh, that you find on Google when you try to find answers to your cannabis questions uh, and and really try to help people understand how to use cannabis the best. That is, yeah, we definitely have the right person on the line. So as, as listeners may remember, you know, a little while ago, we talked with uh, Dr. Lindsay Anderson out of Australia. Now she was a clinical sorry, more a bench researcher, and she was actually looking at the SIP, I, I call it alphabet soup, but cytochrome P450 enzymes and how they're interacting with 12 different cannabinoids, which is very interesting. But let's go a little bit higher. As I said, and I'll have a link to it in the show notes, uh, you were part of a really nice article with uh, Emma Stone with Leafly, and um, I thought you guys did a, just a great job of sort of the overview of what can, things can interact with cannabis. And I think one of the first places I want to start because it's where you guys started is cannabis drug-wise is not just one thing, is it? It's very far from that, right? And that's, that's why historically we haven't liked it in medicine is because it isn't just one bioactive molecule. There's numerous and, and there can be right, let's say dozens or even hundreds uh, of, of bioactive, meaning uh, molecules that have effect in the body, just hidden in within one cannabis flower, right, this little inflorescence. Now, 
that can be beneficial if if we believe in natural products and this entourage effect where right. where we can get multimodal effects. Um, you know, but the flip side is true too. Uh, cannabis is an imperfect medicine. It's hard to really achieve your desired effect without dealing with at least one unwanted side effect, right? And this is once again, a, a fact of, yes, there's many uh, molecules in cannabis, which range from cannabinoids like THC and CBD, terpenes or terpenoids like uh, limonene or myrcene, pinene, all the essential oils of the cannabis plant. And there's there's even more molecules in there, flavonoids and, and things of that nature that can actually uh, interfere and interact with enzymes in our body. So as we will be talking about enzymes a lot today, uh, there's no lack of molecules that can interact with the human body in that cannabis flower. Oh, uh, thank you. Now, um, honestly, something that I'm not sure I think about enough as a pharmacist, but there's not just even one type of interaction, is there? Yeah, especially in the article, you guys were sort of highlighting the difference between pharmacodynamic and pharmacokinetic interactions. Can you kind of run through that for us? Absolutely. So uh, for any pharmacists listening, this is a jump back to your er early therapeutics class, right? When we're talking about pharmacology, the study of drugs, we can actually separate that into two specific sections of studying drugs. That's pharmacodynamics, studying what drugs do to your body, and pharmacokinetics, studying what uh, your body does to the drug. How does it transform it? How does it move it around? And then ultimately, how does it excrete it? Now, what we see, especially focusing on cannabinoids when we talk about cannabis, because that's really the magic yeah. you know, plant molecule here. Plenty of those other ones are bioactive, but we know that cannabis plant is one of only a few plants on the planet making these, these uh, specially shaped molecules that just so happen to interact with uh, my favorite system in the human body, the endocannabinoid system. Right. Now, um, to, to kind of dive into your, your specific question a little bit more, what we see generally is, is kind of what you would expect. But when we look at THC, we actually don't see that many what you would call um, – drug drug interactions in a traditional sense uh or or drugs interfering with the metabolism of one another this is okay. what we, we often think of of drug interactions we think of uh, fluconazole or we think of something inhibiting an enzyme but what we do see with thc and this is no surprise is a psychoactive effect right, right. and almost an augmentation of, of many of the neurotransmitters in our brain when combined with other substances we can see a synergy right and both the good effects maybe this means enhanced pain control when you put cannabis or THC and opioids together, but it can also mean negative effects. Maybe you take um, some sort of atropine or some sort of anticholinergic, and we know that THC also causes dry mouth, dry eyes, et cetera. And now all of a sudden um, you're dealing with, with a really bad case of red eye because you were rubbing your eyes. So that's really about what we call pharmacodynamic interactions, right? The drug's effects are synergizing or kind of working against each other. And then we also have pharmacokinetic effects and CBD okay. is much more notorious for these. And these typically surround metabolism of substances uh, or, or maybe movement throughout the body being carried on the, on the same raft, uh, so to speak. Okay. So CBD is much more likely to interfere with these enzymes um, resulting in altered metabolism, potentially of uh, THC, sure, but more importantly, of your other pharmaceuticals could even lead to sort of increased exposure to the drugs and, and serious side effects in rare cases. Okay. Uh, that's a nice overview. Thank you. And like I said, unfortunately, I'll, I'll admit I am guilty as a pharmacist of not thinking about those sort of 
two groups quite enough. Now, um, let's talk about some groups of drugs that people were, are going to be familiar with. Uh, let's start with stimulants. So, you know, things that people have definitely, almost everyone on the planet has had caffeine, and a good chunk of our, our listening public has had experience with uh, things like ADHD drugs, which are stimulants. What, uh, what do the cannabinoids do kind of in general with our, with our stimulants? Well, importantly, we've talked about two sort of different stimulants, right? Caffeine, which, by the way, is probably the most commonly consumed drug on Earth. 90% of Americans are consuming this substance every day. And if you don't think you are, you probably are in a drink, a soda or, or some sort of uh, caffeinated beverage. You didn't realize it, tea, et cetera. Now, caffeine is absolutely a stimulant, but it works very differently than the amphetamines, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a second. Caffeine and cannabis... You know, uh, this isn't just personal preference. This is a match. This is a very common, commonly consumed uh, combo. That's, a, again, a bit redundant. But what we see with cannabis and or THC and caffeine is sort of an opposing effect, right? We tend to see this upper effect from caffeine, a bit of a downer effect from THC. And we actually tend to see a little bit uh, of evening out, right? Maybe they, they counterbalance each other. And, and this is probably why so many people enjoy this combination, particularly early in the morning, uh, sure. where, where THC would normally cause a little bit of sedation. But if you kick it up a notch with caffeine, you tend to see uh, a response in that. Now, this is different, right? And that drug interaction is definitely different than what's going on when you talk about stimulants like uh, Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, all of these, these are brand name medications for amphetamines and their derivatives. Now, these medications are, are very uh, powerful and, and very excitatory. They can cause the release and, and inhibit the reuptake of multiple neurotransmitters, including uh, norepinephrine, right, which is sort of the the fight or flight molecule or related to it. Um, and we also see a, a big dump of some serotonin and dopamine. And we see the synapse kind of get rushed with these neurotransmitters. Now, THC has the potential to augment both of those transmitters on its own. So when we combine these stimulants and THC, we can often uh, get quite a profound effect and, and almost augment the effects of the stimulant. And in a naive patient, probably overshoot the therapeutic window and, and get off into maybe an anxious, a paranoia, just a hyper-stimulated state. Okay. Uh, and that's not uncommon, right? So the combination of THC and let's say Adderall is highly discouraged among pediatricians um, just because there is a an abuse, increased abuse propensity, right? We see that if, if you co-use Adderall and marijuana, you're more likely to abuse either substance later in life. Okay. But then the other, the other thing is, is we just seem to get uh, less adequate control in a lot of these patients who are taking both stimulants and cannabis. Uh, what we find is a lot of the times these patients are using THC to manage their, their attention. Right. And some patients do this extremely effectively. Other ones sort of learn and grow with the process. And other students really struggle. And, and they never really put two and two together, pun intended, that, mm -hmm. that we have uh, you know sort of a, a polypharmacy problem where the THC is creating ups and downs and the stimulants is taking us too far, even higher and even lower, right? So I think uh, what we tend to see is is an augmentation in a negative way however uh there are many many patients with adhd who report 
increased benefits of both, right? So just like all of medicine, this is not a one size fits all. So the general uh, consensus is avoid. However, um, what we can see is we can actually see these two synergize quite harmoniously with a patient who's very conscious about dose and really gives it the time and effort they need to, to fine tune their, let's say, study habits. Okay, now just because it comes up now, not all the time, and they're usually young, healthy people, but stimulants and young people, we do sometimes worry about cardiac issues and you know increased heart rate, and there has been some reports about increased heart rate with THC. Do we worry about any sort of cardiac um, problems with the two of them together? It's a great question, and, and no doubt. I mean, I worry about cardiac issues with either medication alone, right? We know that stimulants, anything with amphetamine in its name has the potential to increase heart rate. And THC, it's not even a question. THC causes tachycardia. We know this because there's CB1 receptors inside of our, our uh cardiac myocytes okay. and and when we stimulate them we can cause an increased uh, contractility more a little more fast heartbeat for whatever reason not for whatever reason for a pharmacological reason that right. i can't remember is what the, the real answer is now i'm i'm very sure of this though so when we see these two together uh we will absolutely see increased uh, heart rate for at least a, that brief time, right? Especially if you're sort of peaking on both, right? You've just smoked and you took your Adderall, let's say 90 minutes ago or an hour or two hours ago. So you certainly there's an increased risk. However, both of these medications should be avoided in anyone with severe cardiac disease um, and the combination should be considered. I mean, any patient who's on a stimulant should be thinking about their blood pressure and, and their uh, cardiac rhythm because we know that these medications can cause that. Um, but to answer the question most directly, yes, Trevor, uh, <laughs> your patients should be thinking about their heart rate. Now, the flip side is, is it's unless you have a, a you know sort of a poorly functioning ticker, the truth of the matter is a little bit of tachycardia probably won't hurt you. Now, please don't go run out the door and push it to the limit. But but the truth is, is THC's tachycardia is usually mild and it's very transient. It goes away with edibles in the matter of a couple hours and with smoking usually within the matter of an hour, uh, just by sheer distribution of the THC. THC into the fatty tissues in the body. Okay, and I'd love to spend more time on all of these, but we've got limited time. Let's switch gears to depressants. So uh, tell us a little bit about what depressants are, what uh, cannabis does, and we'll, we'll sort of go off from there into epilepsy because the depressants and epilepsy kind of go together. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And the truth is, is uh, you know, cannabis in itself is is a THC anyway is a bit of a depressant, right? We see a uh, at, the, at higher doses a sort of sedating effect, and we this is what most people are using cannabis for, at least right. when they're using it late at night. So this is no surprise. Now, when we say depressant, we're talking about a few different things, but the general class of medications that come that come up to people's brains should be alcohol, uh, right. should be barbiturates, which are very uncommon now, and benzos. Now, benzos are very common now, particularly Xanax. Ativan, Clonopin, um, and all of these substances are, are being abused, unfortunately, uh, to some extent. Now, it, on their own, benzos are, are sedating uh, and, and uh, relatively safe. They're actually rather difficult to overdose on. When combined with THC, we still see a rather safe medication. Uh, we do see an increase in sedation when we combine benzodiazepines with THC. But okay. because THC and benzos neither work directly on the respiratory part of the brain, nor uh, work strongly at slowing down the parts of the brain responsible for our other uh, autonomic subfunctions, 
A-OK, but be on the lookout for increased sedation when you're going driving, when you're, you know, if, please don't go driving on your, yes. your benzos. But if you're walking around the house to get a munchie in the middle of the night, whatever you're doing, be extra careful because definitely lightheadedness, sedation, grogginess, all of these can be enhanced. Just like we talked about that pharmacodynamic interaction. So uh, one thing with benzos, I can't, because we have an older population here, you know, so a benzo was a very common sleeping medication for better or worse. We won't get into that just, but you know, if some Somebody was using a benzo for sleep and then you know maybe some CBD for their their arthritis um, do I have to worry more about them getting up in the middle of the night and breaking a hip wonderful question as well and, and in the case of CBD right rather than THC I'm less concerned about that specific issue however there's some other considerations right we would need to discuss with the pharmacist but you know, certain benzos have the potential to interact with CBD in the way that we discussed. CBD can interfere with the enzymes, thus leading to more benzo exposure, which um, again, maybe that means better sleep and, and no big deal, but maybe it also means you're feeling lightheaded or maybe you're feeling hungover in the morning and groggy because of the way the CBD has altered the metabolism. So there is an interaction. Generally speaking, we are talking about increased sedation, but you're talking about something a little bit different. That's a little bit more over over the long term with CBD because it, it sort of happens over over a course of time as opposed to THC you're really talking about those side effects in that acute sort of high period so again around okay. smoking this couple hours and edibles a few okay thank you and sorry I, I, I interact I interrupted you you were set, telling us something else about I think benzos and depressants in general when I jumped with my breaking hip no I, I think it's great because you you got me to talk about CBD and and CBD and THC are both going to interact with the next substance similarly, right? And that's alcohol. Alcohol is very much a depressant. Um, and in some ways it's, I, I like to say this because people don't always realize it. It's actually a bit of a poison, right? Uh, THC has a very specific place in the body. It likes to go act. Alcohol does not. It's dirty. It floats into every nook and cranny and just causes havoc, right? This is why you feel like shit in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, alcohol and THC and cannabinoids in general do interact. Alcohol is this ability to disrupt this very important barrier in our bodies called the blood brain barrier. Turns right. out we all evolved to protect our brains from any of the stuff in the world. So we've got this extra tight seal around our, our spinal cavity and, and our brain. Now that barrier gets disrupted when we start consuming even just one drink and it starts to, right. to get a little loosey goosey. And what we see is that one drink combined with one marijuana cigarette. That's what they studied They're what they called it <laughs> yep. when they studied it. Right. And they found uh, nearly double the, the brain concentrations of THC in the rodents that they that they they went and did this on. Well, that's fascinating. Right. And so uh, when they when they evaluated these these brain THC levels, they found that that penetrated much better with just one drink on board. Uh, and that, that is a really important factor. Uh, I can't I, again, I, I'm reaching back to these studies. I can't remember. This one wasn't a rodent study. It was a human study. But but again, because I can't remember all the details, I don't want to speak. But I, I promise across the board, what we see is alcohol increases THC concentrations. And with that, it also increases your likelihood of getting into an accident. We know that, that THC plus alcohol is more likely to cause an accident than either alcohol or THC alone. 
Uh, and obviously, if you compared those, THC is down, then alcohol alone, and then then the combination. And this isn't just about sort of, oh, we found it in their urine. No, this is THC blood levels, and they found that the this higher level of THC in the blood along with alcohol suggested a higher risk of having a car accident. So there's, there is some real risk of, of um, intoxication with this combination. And unfortunately, not as many people sort of respect, I think, this 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 potential for uh, getting a little looser than you think, right, this alcohol. Because it's so it's yeah. just so acceptable. Well, I was just going to say, and it's very common for someone to have a beer in one hand. And, and uh, well, in Canada, it's legal now. So a beer in one hand and a joint in the other is a very common thing. And I, you're right. I don't think most people... Uh, appreciate that the effects that both of those are having together. Yeah, together. And and the same thing can happen with CBD. It will penetrate the brain better. This disruption still happens. But CBD is not uh, overtly, in, not even overtly, it's not intoxicating, right? It is psychoactive. It does change the way you your brain works, but it is not intoxicating. So that's one. And then there's other uh, sort of downers that you could go and try to pick them out. But you're going to see very similar uh, reactions, right? THC is going to augment any sort of sedative or intoxicated effect. And then you're going to and potentially even uh, the addictive effect because there's a dopamine tickle from from THC. And then CBD has this potential for pharmacokinetic interactions, altering the metabolism, usually reducing the metabolism. Okay. And so I don't go over time. I better... Be a good pharmacist and ask about red flags. Uh, absolutely don't combine these with cannabis um, or be very, very careful. Any any sort of red flags, hold, hold, the, hold the phone, let's not do this kind of medications we should be worried about. Absolutely. Uh, so I can't give you an extensive list, right? Because there's a lot of drugs out there. But yeah. any drug you might consider narrow therapeutic index, right? So this is the tacrolimus and the serolimus of the world. Anything you get levels, right? That's that's not just fully renally cleared yeah. like an aminoglycoside. You really should be thinking about this. Any blood thinner, anything having to do with coagulation except for maybe aspirin, I'm very conservative with. And once again, when we're talking about this, generally we're talking about CBD. Uh, THC usually has this, this pharmacodynamic and can cause more sedation, but this CBD really has the potential to adjust the levels of other pharmaceuticals. And I think that's where it gets most scary. And just to give a little case report um, that, that did come up in the literature, there was a patient who was taking meloxicam, Mobic, for a long time for their, their arthritis. Uh, and then they, they opted for CBD in addition to, right? It seemed pretty reasonable. Sure. They were on uh, the meloxicam for many years, started the CBD, and over the course of uh, a few weeks, over the course of a few weeks, they titrated up the uh, the CBD oil. And what ended up happening is the patient got a very serious skin disorder known as Stevens Johnson syndrome. Oh, that's nasty. It's very nasty, and it can be life threatening. Now, what's interesting here is CBD doesn't cause Stephen Johnson syndrome, but right. CBD does interact with the metabolism of the meloxicam, and the meloxicam level therefore was increased, which therefore put the patient at higher risk of developing a Stevens Johnson syndrome. Oh. So now you can kind of see how pharmaceuticals plus CBD can, in rare cases, become problematic. Uh, and again, this isn't directly dose dependent i cannot tell you what dose but we do know drug interactions are, are highly dose dependent depends on how much you're taking which cannabinoids how often all of that 
Dr. Peterson, this has been really interesting. Was there anything you'd wish I'd asked or wish the audience needs to know about? I know drug interaction is a huge topic and this was more an overview than anything, but it's been really good. Anything else you wish I'd asked or think the audience really needs to know? Yeah, I think the audience needs to know where to get the answer to the rest of their questions. So they need okay. to go to www.conigma.com. That's C-A-N-N-I-G-M-A. That's Cannabis Enigma kind of conjoined into one word. And the idea is we don't know all these answers and we need healthcare professionals to be engaged answering them, not just SEO content writers. And that's what you'll get at the, at the Conigma. So I can't, I can't wait to, to see your face on the website. Uh, uh, that is a fantastic plug for Conigma. We will definitely have a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much, Dr. Peterson. This has been great. Looking forward to the next one, Trevor. Before we talk more about uh, interactions, which of course I like, but I might be boring people, you were digging more into the Conigma website. Oh, what are you yeah. thinking about this organ? What one of the? It seems like one of the many things that Dr. Peterson is involved with. What do you think about Conigma? Well, Conigma, I aspire to be Conigma. Their their web page is amazing, and uh, not to draw people away from our web page, but from our web page, we'll link this web page. This is this is really an, a, a really stunning um, resource for cannabis, and but you know, in in some ways, it might be mistaken as very commercial in the sense that it's. Um, Gosh, it's like a Rolling Stone magazine for music or People's Magazine for entertainment. It really does have all things cannabis in here. You know, Cannabis 101, discussing how to grow cannabis. The regulations in Europe and, and uh, USA may not have, may, they seem to focus on Europe, USA and Israel. So other, other countries listening to us may not see value there. That's the regulations. But they go on to strains. They go on to the science of cannabis. Cannabis in children, cannabis in, in um, attention deficit, superbugs and CBDs, recipes, how to make your own oil, how to smoke a bowl, you know, how to make keef. Uh, they, they review products. They have a whole medical section. It's, it is truly a brilliant resource and uh, I think I've bookmarked it on my page. Kind of what we want to be when we grow up? When, when, when Reefer Madness, the <laughs> podcast, grows up we aspire to have this webpage. Yeah, but you know one thing I want to, I want to touch on what he was talking about is attention deficit syndrome. I found sure. that area of the conversation you had with him very interesting because I think people of my generation uh, back before Ritalin became popular. Now, Ritalin became popular around the 90s, I'm thinking. Like, it, it's been out there uh, since 54 or 44. It's been out there a long yeah, time. Yeah, but it, it, it seemed to become, because my, we talk about this a lot. I, I'm not really outing him. My, my friend's older brother, uh, you know, in grade seven, was in the principal's office. Like, he had a run of, you know, being in the principal's office every day for half a year because, you know, he was the ADHD kid. Um, and just he couldn't sit still. He was always bored. He was always disrupting everything. Um, and I guarantee if Joe was in school today, uh, he would be on Ridland like that. Uh, Joe is now a... Uh, obstetrician gynecologist who does teaching on the side you know he's just you know but he he, ha he has to have a few projects going at a time and 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 but you know he's a super smart person who you know you kind of you kind of forget that you know the disruptive kid in, i'm not saying all disruptive kids in grade seven 
aren't necessarily going to go on, on on to become Joe, but they're we. I agree. It seemed like when I got in, out of pharmacy, it which was ninety seven. It really started taking off that we were putting more and more kids on on the Ritalin and the other amphetamines because we, we we use the word amphetamine during the the conversation. So Ritalin is an amphetamine. Yeah. I, I grew up I grew up with a poem, you know, what little little boys made of. Little boys are made of snips and snails and puppy dog tails. That's what little boys are made of. And what are puppy dog tails doing? Moving at all times. They're they're always moving, right? So I mean I grew up in the sixties and seventies when my school was happening and little boys were always, you know, getting detention and straps and, and I think as we became adolescents a lot of us self medicated and that's what kept us focused in the classroom. So I found it interesting that, that, you know, there's some information about those of us that are still self-medicating who, who may now have Saturna. Is that, what's, what's the trait, the brand name? Well, Concerta is one of the types of written. That's a long acting one. Yeah. So, I mean, these things are being passed out, sorry, but like candy in the nineties and little boys. And you know what? Oh, God, I've I've seen parents that have had wonderful, wonderful reactions to little boys that have been put on Ritalin and been able to focus. I get it. There's a purpose, but I've also seen I've also seen little boys put on Ritalin because somebody can't control them. Uh, so I I think it's interesting to see that a lot of people, our generation, my generation. Um, and although you always consider yourself the old one on the team, you're actually the puppy. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're the one still working. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my point is, is that I guess there's a lot of guys my generation that could still be, you know, self-medicating to keep themselves a little small in anxious situations. And I think, you know, a lot of us turned adolescence and we found ourselves you know, tired of being yelled at by teachers and may have discovered cannabis. And, and I think I was one of those young kids. I discovered cannabis as a teenager and I found myself able to, able to go to a classroom and actually focus. Um, so I found it interesting. I'm talking about the interaction between Ritalin yeah. and, and cannabis. I should give you room to speak on that. No, no, so. no. no. I, and I thought that's a really good segue because, and Dr. Peterson made it really well. So think about what's probably happening. That's that's our prototypical thirteen-year-old boy. Um, you know, his you know, teachers, parents, doctor. I put him on Ritalin, and that's helping. But on the side, he's also discovered cannabis, and that's helping. Yeah, yeah. But do you think the thirteen-year-old boy has told the parents and doctor about about the cannabis? Absolutely not. And. What we just, if you are that 13 year old boy right now, we're not saying you can't do both, but at very least tell your doctor, pharmacist about it because they don't always play nice. We're not saying. You well, according to the laws, a 13 year old boy is allowed to listen to our podcast? I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, as, we're, as we're trying to be teachers, yeah. I hope they are. But but it's, it's that's a different that, podcast. That's a different laws. podcast. But, but it, it was just a, but, but the, a really but interesting parents, point is, parents, you know, yeah. they're probably it's yeah. probably two yeah. completely different worlds. And let's just let's just bring that together a little bit. Well, but this goes back to normalizing cannabis. I mean. 
you know, how hard is it is it for us to normalize cannabis? I've discussed this. I'll freely I'll freely talk about my habit in fermentation and and how I've been doing it 35, 40 years, making mead and and uh, you know melamils and beers and wines and growing fruit trees for the specifics of fermenting it. But I'm very cautious talking about the fact that I'm a medicinal cannabis user learning how to grow cannabis, right? And I find that interesting because. Um, why should I be afraid of saying that? Well, I, work, I live in a province where they don't allow recreational cannabis growth, so there's stigma attached to that. But, uh, you know, we don't talk about our medicinal cannabis use. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people in the green culture, you know, the, the, the people that the laws seem to have forgotten about, the guys that have been growing cannabis for decades that, that missed the jump or the bridge to the commercial side, these guys are still very paranoid and, and don't share their knowledge and their experiences with cannabis. And, and, and I'm saying this, Trevor, because I sometimes find myself there too. You know, I've got 45 years experience with cannabis, and as much as I've been outspoken over the decades as being a nurse, you don't always broadcast it in a forum like a podcast, you know? So, no, so absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, so but I'm going to I'm going to go back to your fermentation yeah. because um uh, it's something I, I literally had, you know, a lot of some or all of what Dr. Peterson had said I'd heard parts of before. But one of the ones that took me completely off guard, it makes sense but I never thought about it was alcohol. And alcohol disrupting something called the blood-brain barrier. So, yeah. Pharmacology 101, the, there's the, the, the brain is designed to keep stuff out of it. Like it's hard to get drugs into the brain if we need to. Um, that's good, but you know, it, so it's got the, these really tight junctions that sort of doesn't let stuff in. We call it the blood-brain barrier. Well, alcohol loosens that blood-brain barrier and could let more THC in. So you could get more effect of the THC because the alcohol has disrupted that blood-brain barrier, you know. And like I said to him, you know, how many people haven't had a joint in one hand and a beer in the other? And had, you know, Last that's... night. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know? so it's just... Yeah. For, for it's... just our people out there using cannabis, we're not saying you can't, but just it's more uh, be aware. Well, and that's... And I guess that's what we're trying to do in this podcast is make people aware. Um... And, and, and becoming more aware ourselves. Like I say, you know, 90 episodes ago, I thought I knew what I knew about cannabis. Now I know what I don't know about cannabis. This is a lot. You know, we meet up with a guy with a farm D and a master's in cannabis science. I'm thinking, God, I'm feeling really small now. I'm feeling like, my goodness, knowledgeable man. It was a, it was a good conversation. Um, and it goes to show you that, you know, it, it's sort of going back to our other, can, our other uh, episode about uh, cardiology, you know, everything in moderation. And if you're going to, if you're going to do cannabis, be aware that it's not a benign drug. No. And last, before we get on to our, my cannabis stories, I know we got a good one this, this time around. Um, and this is not a Trevor trying to scare everyone. This is a keep your healthcare professional in the loop if you're using cannabis. Yes. Because the, the, so we had a meloxicam CBD case study. Now this isn't everybody. So meloxicam is a very common, we'll call it arthritis drug, painkiller, anti-inflammatory. Lots of people are on it. Um, but we had somebody who was taking meloxicam for their arthritis and then they added CBD, which also could be good for arthritis. And they added them together and they got 
Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which is a terrible and frightening condition. Um, which is? It's, it's, it's kind of like an allergic reaction where you can have like a rash all over your body and then really serious things like literally sloughing off godly awful chunks of your skin. And it's, it's nasty. Uh, it sounds like a Harry Potter curse. <laughs> yeah, like it, it can be, you know, there's serious and not serious versions, but the serious ones are really bad. Um, so now, not everyone who gets takes the, the CBD and the meloxicam together is going to have this. And it wasn't the CBD's fault. Meloxicam, and I've given out hundreds, probably thousands of prescriptions of meloxicam, and I've never ever seen Stevens-Johnson syndrome, but it's one of those rare side effects of meloxicam. But because of the CBD kind of increased the amount of meloxicam in the body, that's what they figured led to it. So I'm not trying to scare you one away from using cannabis, but just... If you're uh, someone using cannabis and a prescription medication, keep your healthcare team in the loop. And if you are a practitioner, pharmacists say, and weird side effects start popping up, think about cannabis as something that might be involved. Yeah, it's 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 incredibly important to ensure that everyone knows. Um, yeah, I, I I mean I'm I'm starting as, again normalizing cannabis use. I'm starting to be a little bit like. When I go someplace, are you on a medication? No, but I do smoke cannabis. I like flour. I went to, digressing, I went to a, I went to a, a garden party last night, a house concert out in a garden, and uh, people, Dauphinites, old-time Dauphinites, people that I, I know from a while back and catching up with them and, you know, I'm sitting there, I got my beer, I'm thinking, do I, do I bring my flour out? Do I, do I have a puff? And as I'm having my puff, I, you know, I ask anybody who wants to join me because that's the natural thing to do is, you know, do you want to join in this? No, no, I'm, I'm on gummies. And the other guy says, oh yeah, I'm on cookies. And, and as I'm sitting there, everybody's on cannabis. They've all eaten it and I'm the only one smoking. I'm thinking, ah, oh, it's a cannabis party, but no one's talking about it until, until someone asks the question, would you like would you like a puff no i'm taking gummies so normalizing cannabis i mean the person beside you at the concert segueing the person beside you at the concert could very well be on cannabis you don't know it and here's my segue to the my cannabis story all right i was at a concert at the watson the watson art center which people will know that i've discussed often on this podcast and Desiree Dorian was playing with Emma Peterson and um, and Quentin Blair and uh, they they were doing it in the round now again things are uh, you know things are uh, always close in a small town Desiree Dorian does our theme song the Soulback Jack thing so she was there who should I meet was Aaron Benham and who is Aaron Benham? He was episode three, the lawyer. So I asked him, hey, Aaron, how's your cannabis practice going? And this is what he told me. Well, I can say for one thing that, uh, you know, any of the fears of, uh, you know, there being sort of a, a big growth in cannabis use and, and uh, crimes uh, committed under the influence of cannabis, that has simply not happened. Yeah. Uh, what I can say is that uh, I haven't seen any uh, criminal cases come to me that involve cannabis. So uh, some might be surprised by that because there, there was uh, 
there are still criminal charges that involve cannabis. I haven't seen any come across uh, across my desk, and I have a large uh, rural practice in Western Manitoba. Uh, I haven't seen uh, anything involving uh, the, pos the possession of too much cannabis. I haven't seen anything involving uh, the illegal selling of cannabis. I haven't seen anything involving the selling of cannabis to minors. Uh, I haven't seen anything involving uh, driving under the influence of cannabis. Um, I haven't seen any cannabis tickets. Uh, and I uh, really haven't seen anything involving cannabis. Now, uh, are police agencies uh, still uh, going after cannabis issues? I'm sure they are. Uh, I can't speak to what's going on in Winnipeg, for example, with the Winnipeg Police Service. Uh, but I think I have a decent idea of what's going on in, in rural Manitoba with the RCMP. And what I can say is that's not their focus anymore. Essentially, the sky did not fall. It absolutely didn't. Okay, uh, and compared to your practice before 2018, cannabis is not a big part of it? I, like I said, uh, I think that there's been uh, a drop-off in focusing on cannabis. Um, I can't speak for police agencies, but I, I would uh, imagine that they are thankful that they can now focus on other more harmful drugs. Rather than spending their time on, on cannabis. Again, I can't speak for them, but that would be my impression. Okay. So I, I am fascinated, and Aaron says a couple times, it doesn't mean that he's got the knows end all and be all about cannabis in Manitoba, but just interesting for someone who has a large ish practice in Western Manitoba, cannabis just isn't a thing anymore. Well, off camera, I, I was discussing with him, you know, is he was a very young lawyer. What is it? Four years ago, when we four years ago we interviewed him. Five years ago we interviewed him. So he's got five years experience in. He's uh, he's he's got lots more experience, and cannabis is not a part of it. I thought that was fascinating. And again, it's just a blurb, right? It's a my cannabis story. In this criminal lawyer's practice, cannabis is not an issue. The sky did not fall. Uh, Reefer mildness is what I've been hearing about Canada. Canada's. Uh, uh, legalization of recreational cannabis. But where we got to start working on, my friend, is medicinal cannabis rights. And there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the medicinal side. So I think we got, again, I, yep, more to do, more to do on our blog. And uh, I've got some stories coming up that I'm looking at doing. Um, we've got a new extraction plant in Dauphin. I hope to go talk to, uh, go talk to those guys. And I hope to also talk to uh, a young lady that works for one of the cannabis companies as a medicinal guide, a medicinal cannabis guide. She helps people uh, obtain medicinal cannabis. So we're going to have a few more stories out on medicinal cannabis coming. That sounds great. So I guess I should say I'm Trevor Shufield. I'm the pharmacist. I'm Kirk Nyquist. I'm the registered nurse. And we are Reefer Medness, the podcast. And yes, you know where I'm going, people. Webpage reefermed.ca. It's a great webpage, not a magazine yet, but it's definitely a great webpage. All of our references are there. Uh, also, please, I encourage you to give us a reference or an evaluation on, uh, on the podcast platform. If you're on Spotify, tell Spotify that the best podcast is Reefermedness, the podcast. Give us a rating, send us an email. Sounds good. And we'll talk to everyone next time. Cheers. 
Well, that was another good one, guys. It's Renee here back in the studio, and um, it's my role, as it is traditionally, to uh, get into the song request from our guest. We'll get into that in a moment, but first, Riffer Madness, the podcast, wants to acknowledge that we produce our shows on Treaty 2 territory and the homeland of the Métis. We pay our respects to the First Nations and Métis ancestors of this land, and we reaffirm our relationships. And the song that we are going to end the program with today is uh, a song that Cody Peterson has chosen because he said it won't leave his head lately. So it's Revolution and Lay My Claim. Like the show? Let us know. We're Reefer Madness on Instagram and Facebook. At Reefer Madness on Twitter. Or head over to the website at reefermad.ca to find out what we're all about and what's coming up next. Talk to you later. It's the truth, I step into the night. Now never made sense to me. Why some crave the limelight? It makes me wonder how I'm supposed to be. Could it be wrong to get back and just right? Now let the truth be told. When in my zone, learn from the fighters that now let the truth be sold to you Eyes on the goal, but you're moving too quick Don't speak, don't speak, just listen No doubt gonna lay my claim You put in work and just wait And let it all unfold Straight from the soul Now I stick to my goal always Damn right, gotta lay my claim Watch the whole world change And let it all unfold Straight from the soul Gotta stick to my goal always Fast step into the night, now nah, never made sense to me Why some choose the limelight? Imagine if they put the time to seek To find a talent and then watch it take flight Well, let the truth be told Go to your zone, learn from the finest techniques Well, let the truth be sold to you Come to your own, but you're moving too quick Don't speak, don't speak, just listen No doubt gonna lay my claim You put in work and just wait And let it all unfold Straight from the soul, now I stick to my goal always Damn right, gotta lay my claim Watch the whole world change And let it all unfold Straight from the soul, gotta stick to my goal always
and here's my segue to the Mike right, Cannabis so story. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were just let, letting him talk. You're not okay, well, never mind. <laughs> that that was Trevor did that poorly. No, oh, we, oh, Kirk, we could do that. We could let him talk. Ta uh, who were you talking to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey.